wildly confusing brains. Talks and stories and multilingualism. Touching. Exciting. Quirky. And chiming. Welcome to our world. Hi everyone, this is Cassandra and Violen from Widely Confusing Brains Podcast. We have a very special guest, a special guest especially for me because I have my cuñado, brother-in-law, Alejandro Montañor-Daneta. Uh, thank you for being here. Cassandra, could you maybe introduce a little bit Alejandro for us? Yeah, Alejandro is Mexican and lives in France. He has his own company, which is called CBD Life. So I'll let you introduce the rest, Alejandro. Well, thank you for having me over, girls, in the first place. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on the first podcast of Wildly <laughs> Confusing Brains. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a personal interview, so I'll be happy to answer any questions that come up in along the way. As Cassandra said, I'm Alejandro Montaño, and I am from Mexico. I went to school in the USA, uh, I studied political science, and then I went to Scotland to do a master's degree and went back to work. Well, I went back to live in, uh, went to live in France for a little bit with my now wife and then went to live in the US then moved to Mexico and then back in France. So I'm a little bit all over the place. I was asked to define myself. How would I define myself as a professional and as a person and then needed to choose Three words that could best describe me. So the first one was búsqueda in Spanish, which is uh, something that I am naturally prone to doing, which is doing what I call me-search. So it's research on the things that happen to humans on a psychological level and physical, obviously, as well, the repercussions of it. So I'm always inquiring and, and reading about, you know, what makes humans stick and what guides human behavior and, and our feelings. So that's, um, that's something that describes me uh, really well, I think. Very introspective and, and curious about, you know, many things in general. Do you, do you have any uh, references, maybe any, any books, any um, TV shows, uh, any people, name you may have in mind? <laughs> or yeah, later so... on, I can just put it... Yeah, no, I'll be, be happy to share. I couldn't give you a whole bibliography because I'm interested in things ranging from uh, developmental and cognitive psychology to evolutionary psychology as well. I'm interested in, in genetics, you know, uh, biochemistry as well, in, in neuropharmacology. So to see what substances do what on your body. So I'd say if I could give you three references... From psychology, well, you, you know, one already is called The Body Keeps the Score. Great book, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even for, for those that have not experienced trauma on, on any level, it, it has many, it has a lot of useful information for, for everybody there. Something uh, philosophical, maybe Alan Watts, you know, that's, some, that's a, an author that really made an influence in my life in many ways in, in previous chapters, but that I still revisit today. 
And another author would be Jared Diamond. He talks more about the origins and the causes of the perils of civilizations throughout history and all throughout the world. Guns, Germs, and Steel is one of his most famous books, but he has a whole uh, line of, of work that is could be very interesting to those that are geeks like myself. I really find interesting the word busqueda because in a way you are changing countries. You went to the States, you went to Mexico, France. Is there a place where you feel more comfortable in the country you are, where you find yourself? Yeah, I'm not looking yeah. at myself anymore. That's that's spot on, Cassandra, because I definitely feel like I'm in a constant search for something. I don't know what, but, you know, just feeling my potential fulfilled. I think I feel the most comfortable in the United States. That's where I spent a lot of my formative years. And even as a little kid, it was, you know, an aspirational place for me to develop myself professionally and, and socially. I love living in Europe. It has a lot of benefits and, and lots of fantastic things that the U.S. does not have. But I think I will designate Europe for a later stage in my life when I will retire or once I will have made my money. My fortune in the U.S., I will come back to Europe. But yeah, definitely the U.S. And I would say Mexico is a country where I feel the least comfortable in, even though it's my home country. And I love the culture. My family is there. I love visiting as a tourist. It's one of the most fantastic and vibrant cultures in, in the whole world. And it will always be like, you know, mi patria. But to live, um, I don't think I'm, I'm qualified to live in Mexico anymore. <laughs> is there a reason why though yeah i mean i guess just getting used to the first world services and mindset in the u.s and and europe just you know make me choose comfort over folklore i would say <laughs> but yeah it's definitely a place that i love coming back to i totally get it i live in canada my family's mexican and i get kind of the distinction you make in between both of them because it has a huge impact on the way we live Yeah, definitely. Let me go back to one little thing you said about the, the different uh, fields of work you like to, to study, to read, to learn about, uh, to learn about yourself. You talked about neuropharma, uh, I don't know how to say that in English, guys. Uh, okay. Neuropharmacology, maybe? <laughs> neuropharmacology. Um, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I was wondering, since, since the company you're working for and you're like implied in the company for quite some time now, can you maybe tell us a little bit more about, about CBD and how do you think think that impacts the human body and mind of course so as you guys know there's a huge uh, there's still a lot of taboo on on cannabis even though it's a plant that comes from nature that has been used by humans for more than 10 or 20,000 years there's evidence that it has been used in ancient civilizations such as china india obviously in the in the kush mountains and in, in tibet All over East Asia, it was used to, to make sails for ships and ropes and clothes. And it has you know, a lot of applications, the, the plant at many different levels. Obviously, the one that we hear the most is medicine. And the Chinese have records of having used cannabis as a medication to treat menstrual cramps or other sorts of pains. It has been, even been used by the Queen of England. And well, I don't know if 
if you guys are up to date on the regulatory landscape of cannabis at a global level today, but essentially to make, well, to make a long story short and to make it as simple as possible to the audience, different organisms and countries were able to separate or to make the difference between hemp and uh, marijuana, which is essentially the main plant, but in its raw materials, it has, it, they have different uh, cannabinoid contents, meaning that there's around 300 different molecules that we know of inside the cannabis plant. The one that gets you high, it's THC, and that's the psychoactive ingredient that when you smoke or when you ingest it in edible form or any other way um, will change and alter the way that you perceive reality and will create euphoric effects, even though it also has a medicinal value. That is the, the, the effect that we're most acquainted with. Marijuana, which is cannabis, has a high content of THC and a low content of CBD. CBD is a molecule that we know a lot as well about today. It has a lot of medicinal properties like anti-inflammatory. It helps uh, people with rare uh, convulsive diseases or epilepsy. It's been it's being tested uh, to treat depression and other pain and insomnia issues. In, in human clinical trials today, it does not have psychoactive effects it does not provoke euphoria and it is not addictive that one is present in in high amounts in hemp which is the same plant as marijuana it's just hemp does not have thc the psychoactive and it has high contents of cbd so you can produce hemp at an industrial level in pretty much every country in the world and where the law allows it, you can extract the CBD from that hemp and create food supplements. So tinctures, which are the little drops that you put under your mouth or soft gels like capsules or uh, candy or beverages or uh, topicals for muscle and pain relief and things like that. So that's the main difference between hemp and cannabis. That's where the world stands today. Other uh, bodies have assessed that CBD does not present any risks to uh, human consumption and have allowed it. And others are still, you know, waiting to see what happens to before they can allow CBD to be included in food and, and, and beverages in some countries like the U.S. So what we did in, 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 in Mexico, me and my uh, business partners is in 2016, we created a company uh, called CBD Life, preempting the upcoming legalization of industrial hemp in Mexico and medicinal products with no THC derived from cannabis, which happened in 2018. And in 2018, we secured contracts with suppliers and partners in the United States where the industry had been more developed than anywhere else in, in the world, along with Canada as well, but with different constraints. Uh, but kind of in the in the same stage. And we got some permits and we started importing products since 2019. We've been selling in um, retail, pharmacies, and uh, convenience stores in Mexico. We're right now present in about 25,000 points of sale in the country. And we're looking at expanding our, our presence in international markets. So um, we have our, our brands registered and we're exploring opportunities with distributors in the U.S., in Canada, all of Latin America, Europe. And that's about it for, for the time being. So that's a little bit of a 30,000 feet view of the company and what I do. Amazing. I mean, and it looks like you, you love doing it and you just, you know, you embrace 
years of work. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, it's, I, I it's know been that. an uphill battle for sure, because we're still acting in a gray area and you just have to navigate all the legal constraints as best as you can. And from a production standpoint as well, because there's no producers or people that can do things at, a, at the scale that we needed it. So we've had to grow alongside and help our suppliers grow with us. So obviously that brings challenges, but you know, it's the first mover advantage that um, is the most important for, for the time in which we're in. I think yeah. you're managing pretty well so far. So I think you're great. <laughs> you're doing great. Thank yeah, you. And thank you because uh, I didn't really know about the, the differences between uh, hemp for example, I, I didn't know like the differences with the THC and CBD, yes, but the different plants, I wasn't sure about it. So it actually changes quite a lot. And I hope that our listeners will uh, learn to and maybe get more interested in the topic for new uh, ways to cure and relax and um, see life, I guess, like CBD yeah, life. That's, that's the main task that we still have today is to educate our public on what is CBD and what is hemp and what isn't. Because today you go to pharmacies in France where you see CBD being sold in pharmacies legally. And I asked the, the pharmacists if the, the product is selling well, and they tell me, well, you know, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't because people are still hesitant. They think they're getting drug, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to get high. They see cannabis and they get scared. So part of our, a big part of our efforts is to communicate um, the safety of, of, of CBD in general. That's great. Uh, we're just going to go back to the topic, but it was important, I think, to uh, kind of stop on, on what you do and and what you'll be going to do for quite some years still. You said that uh, one thing, one word that describes you in, in Spanish would be búsqueda. What about uh, English and French? Yeah, English, I chose eclectic because I have a very diverse taste for everything. You know, music-wise, I like you know, anything from classical music to hard rock and indie music and folk and, you know, all sorts of uh, different genres, electronic music. I love it as well. Food wise, I love all kinds of food, everything that it's living or non-living, I can I can eat. <laughs> uh, spicy, non-spicy, you know, I, I always go to, uh, every time I go to restaurants, I order weird things and, and, my dad always makes fun of me because he, you know, he will always choose, you know, the, the safe choice. And, and I am more prone to risking and trying new new things. So I remember this one time where it was a, in a business setting and we went to have lunch at a fancy restaurant with my dad and, and another investor. And uh, the, the, the chef's suggestion for today was brains, you know, and, and in Mexico, as you guys know, or probably know, it, it's a common dish. But I didn't know that the place was so fancy that they brought me the whole brain. Like it had been cooked, <laughs> but it was just, you know, sitting there. And I was like, holy crap, what like what did I do? And my dad was just looking at me and being like, you're going to have to eat that shit, you know, you clown. And the investor was like, oh, that looks interesting. And I just had to, you know, stuff myself up and <laughs> trying not to throw up. But, you know, it comes with its pros and cons being that way. <laughs> nice. And what about French? Uh, bon vivant. So it ties to, to the previous, obviously. Uh, I just like pleasure in all of its forms. I 
I like drinking alcohol, for example, but it's only if it's the kind of alcohol that I'm looking for. I won't settle for, you know, a cheap, you know, Bacardi drink or, or something like that. I like good wine. I like good food and, and I like just, you know, comfort. I am not, not pretentious by, by any means, but I just like, you know, things to be right. <laughs> it's kind of funny you say bon vivant because a lot of Latins, we drink a lot. So this is not new to me. And even the spicy stuff, I've said, yeah, it's Mexican. You cannot escape it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and especially for bon vivant, we, you live in France right now, even though you're still traveling back and forth to many places. So for sure, as a food-wise, you have lots of options to, to eat. Yes. Um, and I was, uh, I was actually wondering, so since you're living in France, And I know as a French person living in France too now uh, <laughs> that uh, French is the main language. French is like, uh, can you maybe confirm or maybe not the fact that when you live in France, you need to speak French? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, French people do not, in general terms, do not speak really good English. So they'll, they'll feel attacked if you're talking to them in French, I guess. And this is my assumption from the outside, because, you know, I am not French by any means, but I just feel that they feel at a disadvantage. And that's why they respond defensively or rudely, because they, you know, it's just it's like getting them out of their, their environment or their ecosystem. So, yeah, you definitely need to be able to speak French or at least something that resembles French for you to get by. But Resemble to French, what do you mean by that? Uh, like Spanish, for example, you know, or, or Italian or some other Latin, okay, Latin uh, okay. language. Yeah, that could, you know, you can get by with, with the context. <laughs> and, and since you live in France, but you, you have all of your three languages, uh, can you tell us how, how do you manage uh, your three languages on a daily basis? Yeah, so in France, obviously, I, I don't speak any uh, French or, uh, sorry, any English or Spanish outside of my home. Like I speak in, in English with my wife, who's French, and with my kid, I speak to him in Spanish. And we just, you know, speak at the table in English sometimes. So we use it, the, our, our languages in different contexts. But outside of my home, I do not talk to anybody in, 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 other, in any other language aside from, from French. I work from home, so I have my phone calls in English and Spanish when I talk to Mexico or the U.S., but that's about it. With, with friends that I've made here in France, I, I, I rarely speak in, in, in other language than French, than French. So with your wife, you speak English? Yeah. How did you meet? Yeah, we, so we met in Scotland where we're studying our master's degrees. And she barely spoke English and I barely spoke any French. So we just, you know, got by and there was a, a slight learning curve. But we figured out that English was the most neutral uh, language for us to communicate. So it just stuck. And till today, I mean, she's obviously very fluent in English now. So we, we just continue to, to, to communicate in, in, in English. Interesting meaning. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I was wondering, since, like you said, you were barely speaking French, and I know that from a personal experience with you, because we would speak Spanish together, and and sometimes I remember some moments uh, at home where you, yeah, you would be a little lost, which I understand, because I've lived this, these experiences too. Can you tell us, how, how was it to just 
get from uh, speaking mostly English most of the time and, and I guess Spanish with your family to going to France, not knowing really much French and be like, well, I guess I do have to learn French now. What do I do? Like, how did you feel about it? Like, Right. I mean, um, right at the beginning, it was nice to see that everybody was trying to make an effort to talk to me in English, even though their English was, you know, pretty precarious. But but everybody was trying so hard, you know, to communicate with me and to make me feel accepted. And obviously that was in the context of of your home and your and your family that were so kind to me that that wouldn't happen if you were in a boulangerie or if you were in another context in France. But it was um, um, it gets tricky, you know, still today, even if I'm fluent in French, there's times where my brain gets saturated and I can't follow a conversation when there's many people talking and when you're at a table and, um, you know, there's more than four people, automatically there's going to be more than two conversations. So for me, it, it can get tricky to follow on, on uh, to keep track of what's going on. And I just, I could just dissociate and, and completely disconnect from what's going on and get distracted on my phone or, You know, if I get somebody's attention that can talk to me on a one-on-one -on -one in French in a slower and, you know, more calmer tone, I could, I could definitely do that. But yeah, I still feel that today, you know, where, where you, your brain gets, gets saturated. I was telling in, uh, in our first episode, uh, Cassandra and I, I was telling about a, a story that happened to you and myself. And I remember that story. It was, uh, so it was where you live now. Uh, we had that uh, apéro thing with the neighbors when they were still alive. And they came. And I remember one moment you, you kind of watched me and I guess we we're speaking Spanish. And you asked me kind of like, do you, like, can you explain, do you know what's going on? And I told you, like, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what's going on because I also got lost in the conversation. I don't know if you remember that moment. I do. I do. Yeah, the neighbors, they were obviously older, uh, you know, and they were speaking old French from the South. So they had a very thick Provençal accent and it was impossible to keep up. And even even you, a French speaker, you know, you couldn't you couldn't follow. I remember it was funny. Yeah, I, I just remember that. Obviously, I don't remember the conversation because, well, we we had no idea what was going on. Right. I think they the, were speaking Occitan at some point. Like they, they uh, could speak some really old language here. Yeah, I guess it was a mix, a, a little bit of a, a mix of, of both languages. But but I guess he was also trying to, he was actually trying, I think, to speak mostly just French, but it wasn't working. <laughs> but uh, do you have any other um, stories that I may not know that, you felt kind of lonely and lost in the conversation in in, in france it can be scotland it can be any places you'd like yeah I, mean, i can remember a funny one from from the u.s when i used to i used to work for a former governor of texas and and we were doing lobbying in washington dc and in in austin And I was his personal aide, meaning I used to travel with him, carry his bags, you know, and also attending meetings and, and being his personal assistant and doing absolutely everything, you know, kind of like a shadow. I started getting more and more responsibility as, as time uh, passed, but uh, essentially my job was just to, 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 to tend to him. And he was an older person and he had a very thick Southern Texan accent 
that you had to pay a lot of attention, you know, to, to be able to understand what was going on. And I remember he was on my first trip with him from Austin to Washington, D.C. He asked me to give him his, he called me, I dropped him off at his, at his apartment. He was sick. So he was going to spend the night there. And he asked me to bring him over his chicken soup because he was sick from his stomach. But I understood chicken suit, like, like, you know, like, like, uh, like a disguise, you know, as a, for a chicken. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell is this guy? Like, what is he asking me for? So I spent like 30 minutes looking in his closet for a chicken suit. And he kept calling me. And I was like, Ben, I can't find it. I'm so sorry. I don't know where's your chicken suit. And what he wanted chicken suit in the first place. He was like, you idiot. I'm talking about my chicken soup. It's in the kitchen. Go get it now. And I was just laughing my ass off and I told everybody <laughs> over there and they were like, oh yeah, it was bound to happen. You know, the foreigner and <laughs> the thick Texan accent was, um, it was inevitable. <laughs> I wish you'd found like an actual chicken suit. I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did feel lost and alone for a moment there. <laughs> it's normal. It happens to all of us at some point if you learn different languages. Right. Um, Talking about a little bit about the languages, in which language do you feel more confident in? And because I know you've been to different paths and different stories, and which language do you feel more confident in Spanish, in English, or in French? Yeah, I get, uh, it, it depends on the context and the subject, and obviously the audience. But I think in, you know, in intellectual professional terms, I'd rather read and talk in English because that's where... I've been most familiarized with the terminologies and the, the jargon in each of the different disciplines. I guess in a social context, definitely Spanish, but I'd rather speak in Spanish with someone that understands my slang and my jargon as well, you know, because it could get tricky, you know, and when, when you're speaking Spanish from Spain or Spanish from Mexico or so, yeah, in French, well, only when I'm with French people. One of the settings that I really enjoyed speaking French was when I'm outside of France and I can actually speak in French with some other French speaking person. It's, you know, it feels really cool, you know, that you can speak at the same level. But when I'm in France, I definitely feel handicapped when when I speak French because, you know, the accent and, and, and the language has a lot of subtleties that if you don't pronounce the exact accent or, you know, the if you pronounce a vowel that you're not supposed to or a consonant, you know, they'll be like, what, what? Like, they won't even make an effort to to understand, you know? Well, that's been my experience in general. Do, do you feel judged in, uh, in French, when, in France, in French, when you speak the language because you do have an accent, even though it's not, it's not a strong accent, it's definitely not like a, a Spanish speaking French or English for sure like do you feel judged by people around you I do and that's my natural and automatic reaction maybe I'm not being judged at the time but since I know that it's not my my forte or my strength I would definitely feel feel judged <laughs> have you been to Quebec though I have, and I have friends over there, and I love the Quebecois accent. I would love to be able to speak it, but I can't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to know. It's way too difficult. <laughs> nice. So we kind of getting back on, on track. I guess you could talk a little bit about how your languages are, are shaping your professional world. Uh, is is you, For example, is the French helping you in your professional world or not at all, or is it only English, like how do you think it's shaping your world? 
I think the main language for our globalized world and interconnected economy is the English is definitely the, the key word uh, language to speak. That has been the main axis of, of communication and it, it'll continue to be the same way for you know for a long time. But speaking other languages definitely helps in in working with with locals you know in their own country where they don't speak or you know where english is not their first language it has gotten me a long way to to be able to speak french for sure and it'll continue to be helpful especially as we expand our operations in in france and other french-speaking countries and doing business in mexico you know they everybody speaks or most people there um, speak english but it definitely helps uh, speed things up if you speak if you speak spanish you know in, in the local accent as well okay great cassandra maybe you want to ask the one of the last questions <laughs> Yeah, if you had a piece of advice to give to our listeners, what would it be? Is there something in particular you would mention to all the listeners? Yeah, I mean, you know, given that that taking in in, in mind what what the podcast is about, definitely learning a new language will open you up to new opportunities and not only on the outside, but in the inside as well, you know, taking it back to the uh, búsqueda or or research or me search. Thinking in a different language will help you get to point from point A to point B in different ways and will help you expand your, your mind and perceive life in a more enriched way. It'll help you reach uh, new solutions, new alternatives that you wouldn't otherwise if you were only speaking and thinking in one single language. So it, it enriches you. You can learn a language at no matter what age, you know, the sooner the better, but but it's never late, too late to, to learn a new language and it could enrich everybody's life no matter what point they do it. I love it so much. I think it's going to open people's mind to hear that. And saying that uh, we talked about it in another episode, but it doesn't matter if you have an accent. Like you said, it doesn't matter which age you start learning that language. You have an accent, you have an accent. Everyone has an accent no matter what. It's just, it's just what it is. As long as we can communicate and you know have fun and understand each other. Right. You, you actually, I actually come to appreciate an accent as an advantage. You know, in, if you if you look at things from a natural selection standpoint, a handicap is actually something that is considered sexy. You know, in in by, by any means, uh, you see the peacock. You know, they have beautiful feathers, and it's all to advertise the male to or the female, so that the female would choose the the male. And they appreciate that not only because it's colorful, but because it's a handicap, meaning you have a big ass tail that if you have a lion chasing you, it could very likely, you know, grab you by the tail and eat you. But you're still so fast that it doesn't matter that you have that whole thing, you know, dragging behind you. So that makes it sexy. Like, even though you have this handicap, it's pretty and you're still here. You're still alive. The same applies to high heels in women, for example, you know, aside from from making your legs, you know, look more toned or, or more strong subconsciously, you're standing on two, you know, needles. So that is a handicap. It requires skill and strength for somebody to be able to work in to walk in high heels. So an accent is kind of the same way, you know, and you guys have probably experienced it as well, where people will tell you that you, you have a sexy accent or that it's cute, you know, those kinds of things. 
it's better to look at handicaps in what is a positive thing that they bring to your life as opposed to something that you need to correct or get rid of. And I think it also shows the rich story you have behind every single language you speak. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. It took me a long time to get to a point where I set my accent in English, in French, or in Spanish. But in a point of my life, I felt, you know what? This is who I am. This is my story. And this is what I'm going to tell. Exactly. I agree with what you said. But just one little thing is that, yes, for sure, I've heard enough times, especially when I was in Mexico, but even in Canada, I guess, uh, how my, my accent is cute and sexy and whatever. But the problem was whenever I was angry or mad and I was, you know, swearing in Spanish, for example, which we know, especially Mexican Spanish, we have lots of options. Well, it was still cute. So I was actually mad and angry trying to communicate that I was mad and angry. And it was just not working because of my accent. So at the same time, yeah, it was cute, but I was frustrated in a sense because I had those emotions I couldn't actually say. And even sometimes I was like, okay, I'm going to say it in French then because French, you know, is my language. So I'm going to say it in French, but it was still cute and sexy. (laughs) So I was like, well, then I cannot be angry ever again in my life. (laughs) That's a funny story. And and I can relate to that because I when I swear, I, it's always in Spanish. I mean, there's no better way to swear than in Spanish. And, and I almost never swear in French because it just doesn't sound or feel strong enough. And, and in English, you have two or three options and that's it. You know, you just use variations of it. But definitely swearing in, in, in Spanish has been a, a big pleasure in life <laughs> well, you, you do say putain you have the you know that beautiful reflex we all have as french people to say putain and you actually do use it quite a lot <laughs> yeah it's one of my 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 resources that i have at hand for sure <laughs> so uh we would like to know which project you're working on what's for you in the future on a professional or personal level if you want to share the personal too and where we could follow your adventures yeah, you know, I'm I'm very much consumed by what I'm doing with with CBD Life and expanding to new markets and we're launching new products constantly and there's many things to to do from that standpoint. I'm very passionate about everything that has to do with um, cannabis and horticulture as well and how to to grow the best uh, types of of hemp and what are the best nutrients and you know those kinds of things what what makes good cannabinoids, you know, and good terpenes and, and good flower that will help people relieve their, their pain. My ongoing project as well is to better understand, as, as I mentioned, um, the human psychology and how to help people get out of their own prisons, you know, and their own um, destructive habits when, when, when they exist. On a personal level, well, I have a three-year-old kid that takes a lot of my time lately which is, it has been a great experience, challenging nonetheless, but I like playing music and, and that's an, an ongoing project and that I, I play the guitar and sing, work out, you know, I just try to keep balance with, with my life and all of its different aspects and, and, and working hard to keep up with it. And you can follow me on, on Instagram if you want. I don't post much, you know, lately, but I can give you my, my link over there. I, I think you, you guys have it. Yeah, we'll do it. Um, yeah, I'll I'll try to post some of my crazy things and and photographs, but um, yeah, that's that's about it. Great. 
Perfect. You want to say thank you for allowing us to learn more about CBD and learn about yourself. I got to know you on a deeper level, so it's fun to see that side of you and get confused together because this is life. Life is confusing and we need to search for our answers. So thank you for allowing us to get to a deeper side of human being. Yeah, no, thank you both for, for having chosen me and having me on, on your podcasts. If you guys have any follow-up questions, I'll be happy to answer them in, in, in French as well or in Spanish. I may give you a different answer. But thanks again for, for your time and, and for listening to me. And, and it was a pleasure being with, with both of you. Thank you, Alejandro, my dear cuñado. And we'll see you, Cassandra and I, on the next podcast. See you soon, guys. And have fun listening to the podcast again and again. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Bye.